This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Radio Astronomy's Guide to the Best Things to See in the Night Sky in March 2022. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's news editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hello, Ezzie. Hello, Paul. It's great to see from you again. Um, and you're going to tell us all of the best things that there are to catch in the night sky this month. So what are your recommendations for March 2022? Well, For once, we don't have to worry about the morning sky for a while because we've got a few things happening in the evening, Um, you know, because, you know, we like the evenings. They're a lot more convenient, aren't they, for Mm -hmm. observing. Uh, So uh, let's start off. Uh, We always like a bit of a challenge, don't we, sort of thing, getting a a thin crescent moon. This isn't the thinnest you can get, but on March the 3rd, it's well worth looking about 20 to 30 minutes after sunset towards, say, the west-southwest. Make sure the sunset, you know, before it, but the moon will only be 1.02 days old. So it's something like 24 point something hours uh, old as such. Uh, So, uh, you know, so it's very, very thin. And uh, it's always nice to watch these ethereal because it'll be in a bright twilight. So it'll be always nice to watch out and look for something like that. You know, catch, catch your earliest glimpse of the moon, if you can, in the evening sky. So the, the, the twilight will be bright, but it's worth checking out. But if you're going to use binoculars, we, we always have to say, you make sure the sun has set. You know, we don't want any eyes burned out or anything like that, do we sort of thing, you know, we want anything dangerous. So uh, mm-hmm. about 20 to 30 minutes after sunset uh, should actually work. But don't leave it too late because the moon will be quickly, it's a thin crescent. So it's relatively close to the glare of the sun. So it will set quickly as well so don't leave Mm -hmm. it an hour literally and it'll be gone so there we are almost blink and it's gone in astronomical (laughs) terms you could say so that's march the third now as usual a lot of the events always involve the moon um it passes so many planets stars uh, sometimes occult some as we'll see a bit later on um so when we get to march the sixth and seventh we're looking at sort of like a guide to getting the planet Uranus. Um, Because Uranus is in Aries at the moment, but it's also, uh, as you look at it in the sky, above the head 
of Cetus. So, you know, it's a nice recognizable patch of sky in actual fact. So you've got sort of like Aries off to the right and you've got Cetus off to the lower left. Now, the moon joins them and it's actually below Uranus on the six. Uh, it's still a nice crescent, so well worth looking at with binoculars anyway and a small telescope and see what craters you can pick out on that. Mercrisium is always pretty good actually on that limb. But what we do is on the six, it's uh, to the lower right of Uranus uh, sort of thing. And it's actually quite close to the star Xi-1. There are two stars called Xi. They love these, don't they? Why didn't they call it Xi and then something else? But no, it's Xi-1 and Xi-2. Well, Xi-1 <laughs> is actually the one just below the moon on the sixth sort of thing. So you've got that. So you better off see this little tiny star uh, below the moon as well. Uh, so, so ironically, the moon will be in Aries. You know, if you go by the International uh, Astronomical Union borders sort of thing, you know, the moon will actually be in Aries, but it's just above Xi-1 in Ceti. So uh, there we are. Now, right the next, on the border. Right, it's very close in actual fact, very close to the border itself. I mean, the borders, I mean, they, they are what we've created in the sky, just like the mm. constellations, really, aren't they? But, uh, you know, but figure it just looks like it'll be quite close to this star sort of thing, but it's so ironic that it's next, it's actually in Aries itself. Yeah, so the, just for any of our listeners at home who don't know, there's the, the constellations that most astronomers will know them as, as that you can see the star patterns on the night sky. Uh, but there's also just areas of sky that are also called the constellations because, you know, astronomers like to be confusing, um, which are sort of more kind of scientific uh, area that are designated as belonging to that constellation. And so that's what's going on there. So... On the seventh, then, the moon is the other side of Uranus. So there, it swaps it over. It's nicely even, actually, this time sort of thing. When it's on the lower right, on the sixth sort of thing, you know, on the uh, seventh, it's the other side of the planet itself. It's heading towards Taurus, in actual fact. But uh, on the actual seventh, it sort of forms a triangle with Uranus and the star Mu Ceti. So again, Mu is actually quite prominent sort of thing. So uh, it's nice to find a prominent star. The stars of Ceti, the, the actual head, are actually brighter than the planet itself. Although Uranus is naked eye, technically. But it does depend on, you know, mm. <laughs> clarity of skies, dark skies, no light pollution, you name it. You've got to have pristine skies. It really does help. And very good eyesight, I have to say, as well. <laughs> if, you are, if you are in the best location with the best eyesight and the best weather, you might see it kind of naked eye. Exactly. I mean, since I started wearing glasses, I'm afraid I have not spotted it at all. But I, I was lucky enough to see it a few times when it, but when it's in a crowded area, and I remember when it was down towards Sagittarius, oh, th that was virtually impossible. You had to use binoculars then to separate it from all the stars. So mm. at least it's in an area of sky where there aren't as many stars now. So it's easier to actually locate which is the odd one. They call it the odd one out, you know, so, well, planet is wandering star, isn't it, sort of thing. Because discovered by William Herschel. So, uh, you know, a long time ago. Not quite in a galaxy far away, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, we move on to the next couple of nights, March the 8th and 9th. And I always like it when the moon is at a crescent phase and it's in Taurus. And uh, on the 8th, it's actually to the lower, just slightly to the lower left of the Pleiades, you know, the Seven Sisters star cluster, Messier 45. So that'll be quite a prominent cluster to the naked eye. Uh, so there'll be the crescent moon. It'll be getting thicker now. 
So it's a lot thicker crescent. And uh, as it moves through Taurus, the next evening on the 9th, and this is the evening, we're looking about 7 o'clock. So, you know, once twilight's over, so that there's more stars actually to spot. But on the uh, 9th, we actually see it next to T Tauri. So there we are. And that's a bit of a mouthful to say T Tauri, sort of thing like that. It's the TT star, as you might say. Mm-hmm. So uh, now, if you wait long enough, it looks as if T Tauri is actually going to be occulted, but it doesn't. It misses. It's one of those that it tantalizingly close, but through the night, it actually glides past the moon, glides past T Tauri. But it's always a nice way of identifying certain stars you know, when the moon is actually close to it, if you're not familiar with that particular constellation. Now, it carries on because on the actual uh, 10th, uh, we actually find it, the moon, as it's not quite half phase, but it'll lie between the horns of the bull, sort of thing, you know. Uh, the top horn is Beta Tauri, El Nath, and then the lower horn, the southern horn, is Zeta Tauri. Now, for those who like telescopes and like using them looking around, they will know that near Zeta is actually Messi 1, the Crab Nebula. So you've got uh, a solar system object, you've got stars, and you've got a supernova remnant as well to hunt out if you want. Because the moonlight will be bright, but you might just see it actually uh, with a small telescope. So there you are, that's on the 10th itself. So... By then, that'll be, it will actually be first quarter. It's very close to first quarter, sort of within a few hours, actually, of first quarter itself. So, well worth looking at. That's why the moon will look half to the naked eye as such. Okay, moving on then. Okay, I had to pick some morning targets. Well, we've got some really good ones in the morning. We're looking at March the 11th and 12th, and we're looking for Venus with Mars. Now, Venus is very bright. I mean, it's the it's being the morning star at the moment. So uh, very easy to see. And Mars is faint at line below it. But they almost form a lineup with Alpha and Beta Capricorni. And those are both double stars. And they're quite visible in binoculars. So well worth having a look with binoculars as such at these two stars. So you've got two planets and two double stars almost lined up. In the sky for us. It's almost like they're saying, please look at us. Look, look, look where we are. We're lining up for you. So there we are. So uh, that Alpha and Beta are say very easy stars. They are naked eye stars. And keen eyed people have sometimes said they can see Alpha split. Uh, I must admit, I'm, I'm struggle. I struggle mm-hmm. myself, sort of thing. But, you know, put binoculars on it and it'll actually be quite obvious. You want to be looking around the southeast horizon. They are only just above the southeast horizon, about 5.30 a.m. And again, before the sun rises, don't wait too long before the sun rises. But you should, if you've got a nice clear horizon, you shouldn't really be able to mistake Venus sort of thing. It'll be the brightest thing in the sky other than the actual sun itself. So there we are. Now, as it happens, just a few hours earlier on the 12th, if you look about 3.30 in the morning, over towards the other horizon, northwest, you'll actually see the moon. Yes, the moon's still there. It'll be past first quarter phase now. It'll be a lot thicker, but it'll be next to Epsilon Geminorum. So again, the moon guiding you to another star. It looks as if it could occult, but it'll actually be missing it as well. So that's 3.30 at a.m. on the 12th. So uh, you need to be looking towards the northwest horizon. Again, for these, because they're setting, catch them quick before they've gone sort of thing. Because once they're set, of course, you can't see them. You can't look through the earth, can you? Mind you, we've had a fantastic news report, and I'm sure you as a news editor will know, of course, about the neutrino view of the sun taken through the earth 
I thought it was an <laughs> April Fool when I first saw that. Well, that was quite something, but we visually can't do it, so don't try. So there we are, sort of thing. That's 3.30 a.m. on the 12th, looking for Epsilon, Geminorum and the moon quite close to each other. Now, the moon, we go back round to the evening sky now, because oddly enough, later that evening on the 12th, we actually have the moon forming a nice triangle with two bright stars that are very obvious, Castor and Pollux there, Gemini, the twins. So there we are. And once the twilight finishes, you'll see a few more of the stars actually pop out as well. But I always like these shapes. These, they, they attract the eye. You know, you look at the moon, mm. you suddenly realise there's two dots either side of the actual uh, head of the, the moon as well. There's a reason why um, humanity has so many pictures up in the night skies, because every time you, you, our eyes just automatically see all of these shapes and things up there, it's just part of what it is to be human. We like making patterns, don't we? Mm-hmm. And that, that's why we've got the constellations. There's, there's no reason to join the stars in the dots that we see, and different cultures have joined the dots in different ways. So, uh, you know, so, yeah, you see, we just, we just like making patterns in the sky, don't we, sort of thing. And we astronomers, we do it on a smaller and smaller scale as well. I know there's a cluster, I think it's NGC 2169 in Orion, and it looks like the number 37. <laughs> so I half expect the number 37 bus to come through, but... It, it does look like 37. So we mm-hmm. love things like that sort of thing, you know. Some of them have even seen a Klingon bird of prey, and actually that's another cluster in Orion as well. So there, <laughs> <we> are. <laughs> yeah. there are plenty of star shapes there. I mean, you could go out and join the dots to your heart's content on at completely different scales. I bet if you went onto the Hubble images, you could do the same thing as mm, well. Absolutely. Okay, so we're sticking with the moon, and the moon on the 15th and 16th moves into Leo. Uh, so it's particularly, it gets quite close to Eta Leonis. Again, it doesn't occult it, but we are getting towards a fuller phase. So it's not quite full, but it's getting that way. And so we're talking about the evening of March the 15th into the morning of the 16th. So the moon will creep ever closer to Eta, but it doesn't actually occult it again. So we're getting a few that don't actually occult, but they look as if they could do. But they're a nice conjunction again sort of thing, very, very close. And in the early hours of the 16th, you're looking about 2.30 in the uh, in the morning, the moon will be directly below Eta on a line with the bright star Regulus. Regulus is the heart of Leo the lion. So it'll be closer to Eto, but it'll be on a direct line uh, with Regulus as well. So uh, I always like to look out for these lineups. So, so again, we're not just the, the triangles, etc. We like these lineups as well when these stars and planets and moons actually align. Now we move on because obviously it's continuing. Um, the moon takes... 28 days roughly to go around us sort of thing. So he's going to pass through most of the main constellations that are visible in the night sky. So not surprisingly, the 18th and 19th, the full moon occurs on the 18th and it actually lies up near Porima. But you have to wait because as it goes through the constellation into the night, into the early hours of the morning on the 19th, finally... We don't get a near miss. We actually get an occultation this time of the star Porima. The thing about this, though, is that it is in the early morning. We want to be looking about 4.30 in the morning for this. So, so yes, set your alarm clocks. <laughs> it's, it's an early morning job, I'm afraid. But that's the way it goes sometimes. Sometimes Dang during it. the evening, um, it always seems that the best ones are always in the early hours of the morning, I have to say. But 
again, you want to be looking out sort of thing around about from 4.30 itself because the moon will be getting closer and closer to Parma. So follow it, you know, if you've got webcams and telescope, follow it and watch it. Watch it actually disappear behind the actual limb of the moon. And they're so abrupt. I mean, if it's a star, they're abrupt. But it might just look as if it dims because Parma is a tight double star. Now, it's mm. opened up over the last few years, so it's actually become easier for us amateurs to actually split it. But visually, to the naked eye, it may slightly dim before it winks out completely. And that's a sign. That's how they found quite a few double stars from occultations by the moon. They're expecting the light to just vanish, just like that. And it didn't. It went down in two steps. So uh, it was showing it was a sign it was actually a double star. Now, that's the morning of the 19th. Um, the evening of the 19th, so I think late evening, admittedly, we then find the moon pass for uh, full, but it's above the star Spiker. Spiker, Spiker, uh, depends on how you want to pronounce it sort of thing, but this is Alpha Virginis itself. It's the main star, the brightest star, actually, of Virgo. So uh, there we are. Okay, now... If you do like mornings, I like it when the moon is in a, sort of a particularly brightish constellation where there's lots of stars close by sort of things so that you know, like you've got to feel the stars around it. And this occurs on March the 23rd. But again, you have to be looking fairly early. We're looking at two o'clock in the morning. So you actually want to be looking around about the southeast. A lot of these events occur when it's, especially in this area of the sky, we're dealing with Scorpius. And I love that constellation sort of thing. There's lots of, I mean, that shell of Scorpius sort of thing has got lots and lots of stars in it sort of thing. So well worth having a look at. So about 2 a.m., look towards the southeast for Scorpius. We've got the bright reddy orange star Antares to the lower left of the moon. Directly above the moon is Beta or Graphius, and also a nice double star, which is Omega. Um, Scorpii. Now, Omega is wide enough. You should be able to see it with the naked eye. Binoculars, absolutely clear-cut. You can't mistake that it's a double star. And they will be directly above the actual moon itself. So, uh, Antares to the lower left, this reddish star, etc. But, uh, yeah, well worth looking at that because I, I like these little patterns as such. Now, we go back to the morning sky and we're back to Venus. Now, Venus is having a really good time at the moment in the morning sky. So, we, we find it near Mars, but gradually they are joined by something else. And this is where we get Saturn. Saturn is back. You know, we've gone through solar conjunction. We lost Saturn for a couple of months. Just like at the moment, we've lost Jupiter. Jupiter's too close to the glare of the actual sun. But now we've got Saturn beginning to creep out and it forms this triangle with Venus and Mars as well. Again, we're back to the triangles, as he, <laughs> <laughs> you know, must be, it's almost like we were obsessed with triangles, isn't it? But that's how we look at the sky, we're looking at all these patterns. Mm -hmm. So we're looking about 5 a.m. sort of thing. So, I mean, if we found Venus uh, a few, you know, weeks, or a couple of weeks earlier, sort of thing, we'll mention it first, then um, Venus and Mars, they're slowly separating. We've got Saturn there forming this triangle. Uh, so well worth looking out. But it gets a little bit better because March 28th, 29th, Venus is getting closer to Saturn. Saturn is merging out, but around about the 28th, we find the crescent moon. Really slim. This is a difficult one. This is difficult because the moon is below them, so it's very low. So you will see Venus, Saturn, and Mars first, and then if you're patient in the southeast, watch gradually and below Mars, 
you'll start to see the moon rise. Now, the sky will be getting bright, and you've got to be careful. You're looking at about 6 a.m., because by the time we get to the 28th, 29th, the clocks will have changed. So, mm. uh, oh... Don't want to miss summer, that one. <laughs> summer, summertime, oh, dear, sort of thing, you know. But never mind. But it'll be a gorgeous grouping of these objects. And then to finish off, round about the 31st, look again, the moon will be out of the way, but by then we'll have this nice shallow curve, a sort of a triangle, with Saturn playing piggy in the middle now, Venus to the left and Mars directly to the right. And all this is taking place against the backdrop of Capricornus, although with that bright twilight sky, um, you may not see all the stars of Capricornus because of the light twilight. So there we are. So I think that's the main events for March. There's quite a lot going on, some in the evening, some in the morning, and we've got at least one occultation as well. It does sound like there's loads going on this month, uh, particularly as you seem to be following the moon throughout the night sky. So to go back over the, the highlights from this month, starting on the 3rd of March, you have the very thin crescent moon uh, coming low on the evening twilight, uh, about 20 to 30 minutes after sunset. Then on the 6th, the moon will be passing through the constellation of Aries um, and also close by to the planet Uranus. Then on the 8th and the 9th, the moon passes through Taurus and near the Pleiades cluster, or M45. Then on the 11th and the 12th, it will pass by the stars Alpha and Beta Capricorni, both of which are double stars, um, and so you might be able to resolve those with a pair of binoculars. Then moving on to the evening of the 15th, morning of the 16th, you'll see the moon creep ever closer to Eta Leonis. Unfortunately, it won't quite occult it, but you'll get to see a nice near miss. Um, if you want to see an occultation, you'll have to wait until the 18th when the moon gets near to Poroma and eventually occults it. Careful, watch out for the star. You might see it just dim just before it goes under, as it is a double star. Then, later that morning, at around about 5am, when the twilight is just about getting too bright, you might be able to see the planet Venus forming a triangle with Mars to its right and Saturn to its lower left. Then, on the 28th and the 29th, Venus, Mars and Saturn will all be joined by the very slim crescent moon just below Mars. Uh, but be careful about that one, because you'll need to be looking around 6am, but you'll need to be looking at 6am summertime, as the clocks will have changed. So hopefully there's something there that will have piqued your interest and you'll be able to get to see something to observe this month. Thank you very much, Paul, for taking the time to talk to us about all the things to see in March. A pleasure. If you want to find out about even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky this month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for in March 2022. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Brittany Colley. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 